Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today had a unique fertility journey where she froze eggs overseas and then didn't use them but got pregnant. And last time we talked to her, she was just about to have a baby. She was the winner of America's Next Top Model in France, and she grew up in Switzerland. She came to Los Angeles, and lucky for me, I got to meet her and work with her during pregnancy. Alize Gaillard, welcome back to the podcast thank you so much and lucky for me to have found you (laughs) oh hashtag mutual uh all right i want to get all the juicy details of this birth story last time i saw you were super pregnant you're like oh this baby's coming anytime how were the last days of your pregnancy so the last days went really well i think we talked uh, on the 3rd of december and she was to the 13th and i was so confident that she would come on time and naturally and everything and Fast forward to 21st and she's still not here and I have my checkup at the doctor and amniotic fluid was low at five and I knew that was the cutoff for, you know, to have an induction, it would be dangerous. And also I had high blood pressure for the first time. First time in your life. First time in my life, yes. And the OB said, well, today's the day we got to induce you. And he said that and Oh my God, I had a nut in my throat. I wanted to cry. I was like, oh no, that's not how I envision things, you know? I was like, I was sure she would come naturally because I, I tried everything, eating the dates, the drink the red raspberry tea leaves and walk one hour a day and, you know, everything. But no, she wouldn't come. She wasn't ready yet. <laughs> Spicy food? Yes, that too. Uh, a little bit, but not too much because I had the worst... Um, oh, heartburn. Acidity in my stomach, heartburn the whole entire pregnancy. So I would have to be careful with that. But yeah, he was like, well, today's the day we, we got to induce you. And I knew that was a possibility, but I really didn't think that would happen. And I'm like, okay. And I said, well, we had discussed the induction methods, but I said, what are you thinking to do? And he said, Pitocin. And I said, oh no, I don't want Pitocin. And in my birthing class and through listening to your podcast, I've learned so much. And I knew that having the Foley balloon inserted would be an option. So I asked for that and he said, yes, of course, no problem. We'll we'll try that. It's a longer process, but we'll do it. And I said, okay, great. He's like, okay, then you have to go to the hospital now. And I said, wait, what? No, (laughs) I need to go home, get my stuff (laughs) first. And he said, no, 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 you, you like, you know, you have hyperpressure. I made it so it's low. It might be a bit dangerous. And I really didn't want to go to the hospital right away. My partner Jorge was at work and I envisioned going with him at the hospital. So... I was about to leave the office and go into the elevator and I walked back and I knocked into the doctor's office and I said, please, can I just go home, get my stuff and go to the hospital with my partner? He said, all right, you're very stubborn. Fine. (laughs) fine." (laughs) You know, so I went home, Jorge joined me there. We, you know, finished packing a few little things and went to the hospital. We got there at 4.30 PM on the 21st of December. By five o'clock, they inserted the Foley balloon. And I didn't really feel in much, you know, it was painless and smooth. And just a quick question. You not have any pain drugs at that point? No, I didn't want any pain drugs, epidural, okay. everything. I really wanted to try natural as much as I could. And if I needed the epidural, I was open to it, but I was trying not to. Okay. Did the insertion of the Foley balloon, how did that compare for you to a regular, let's say, cervical check? Very painless. The cervical checks for me was, I know some women, it's more sensitive for them. For me, it's really no pain. And for that as well, from one to 10, 0.5, I would say. Like a little discomfort, but not painful at all. Okay. 
And yeah, the nurses were surprised. They're like, wow, like you don't need medication to take it. I was like, it's okay. You're doing a good job. So I don't need anything. <laughs> and they said, well, maybe six to 12 hours later in my fold, the Foley balloon. And oh, I forgot to mention, he swept my membrane on the previous check. It didn't work. And that day he also swept my membrane and I asked him to, because I was hoping maybe last minute it would, you know, kickstart things and it didn't work either. But the Foley balloon came out after 45 minutes. It was very fast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so when he checked you, you know, before you went home, was there already some dilation and effacement going on? One and a half and 80% effacement. Oh, 80%, only 20% to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you kind of went into it already because the balloon only takes you to four centimeters, right? So you kind of went into it uh, almost halfway there. Yeah. I guess, yeah, my body, I guess, was just almost ready to, yeah. To Did you start it. having contractions with the balloon inside? So not inside, but as soon as it came out, I started having mild contractions. And for the first time in my life, I felt what it was to have menstrual pains because I never had any pain in, while I had my period. I've been always very lucky with that. And I said, oh, that's what women feel when they have their period. Okay, it's a bit painful, but, you know, a little discomfort to, with the first contractions. And it started very slowly and it started, I think, around like 6 p.m. I started having contractions, mild contractions, but very consistently, every three minutes and a half, every three minutes, mild ones. And then it got a little stronger and stronger. And, oh, I forgot to mention something as well. <laughs> there was a change in the plan. I had my midwife, right? Who um, I, I found her like when I was 37 weeks pregnant. And unfortunately, she got COVID the week before I was delivering, or a couple of days before. No way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's so on I, so many levels. Like, had you seen her? I had met her once, once or twice. Uh, yeah, I think she came twice at home. But, you know, and then she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I got COVID. I can't be there for the birth. But she was moving mountains to try to find someone to replace her to come and you know be my support person and she luckily found jennifer buenamassa and she was incredible and i was so lucky that you know she i think she'd asked 30 midwives and no one was available and only jennifer was available wow. <laughs> well i mean the thing is there's so many people that were looking for midwives either to do a home birth or to labor at home because uh, the hospitals had become so COVID restrictive. Exactly. And the day I gave birth, the 21st of December was the last day where we were allowed to have a support person. Oh, wow. I was, I was so lucky. Yeah. Oh, so the induction kind of was good for you in the end, like in terms yeah. of that. There's a in a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but you're at the hospital. So your midwife is acting like so, a doula. Yeah, I was texting them both on a text thread and I said, okay, this is where I'm at. Three minutes contractions, it's mild. And I was keeping them in a loop, you know. And when I felt like I needed Jennifer to come and support, I texted her. But then I think I almost like tested her too late because it went by so fast. And I asked her to come and within 30 minutes she was there. So at 10, 15, she came, then 15 p.m., and I was like full on having strong contractions by then. Um, okay, so if you remember, where did you feel that intensity? You said you never really had menstrual cramps before, that like you never felt them. Uh, where were you feeling? It was in the front of your body, in the back, high up, lower, down? Back. 
in my back and I couldn't stay on that bed. I was like, there's no way I can lay down on that bed. It was so painful. So I had to get up and I was on my fours, basically. You primarily felt it in the back? Yes. It was a bit in the front, but as they got stronger, they were getting more and more intense in the back and I couldn't be sitting or, or laying down in the bed. It was impossible. Okay, hold on. We're going to take a break because it's building up for me. I need a little break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking about Alize. She is in labor. She has never felt menstrual cramps before. Pelvic exams, no big deal. Inserting the balloon Foley catheter, no big deal. Sweeping the membranes, was that anything? No. No big a, deal. A little discomfort, but it was fine. A little discomfort. And then in labor, as it starts to pick up, you feel some cramping in the front, which is more like the menstrual cramps, but in your back, you are starting to feel more and more intensity. So as that happens, are there things that you find comforting? So, yes, uh, the most comfortable position for me was I was on my fours on the floor and my head, there was like a little sofa in the room. So my head was on the sofa on the pillow and I was just on my fours and just like going through the contractions that way. And my partner didn't really know how to support, you know, he's like, ah, a little bit like lost, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a new experience. So. My OB had actually broke my water. I think it was at 940. Did that feel like anything? No, neither. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt warm and liquid everywhere, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all. That's warm water-ish stuff. <laughs> um, but is she there with you at this point? So she got there at 1015 p.m. Okay. So the only thing you're doing to help yourself, you don't have an epidural, you don't have pain medication, you're on all fours and just laboring away on the floor at yes. the hospital. And I do have to say, I had an amazing experience at Cedars. They were outstanding, amazing nurses and such good care. But the night I was there, the nurse that was there during my labor, she was MIA. It was, oh, really? if it was just for her, it would not have been a good experience. And hmm. I'm so grateful that my support person, Jennifer Buenamassa, came in. She was a lifesaver. She came in and assessed the room. She saw me on the floor by myself, like laboring in Jorge, trying to do whatever he could <laughs> to help me, but a little lost too. And she came in and gave me hip squeezes. And, you know, she's like, okay, let's go on the toilet. That might help you, you know? So we went on the toilet, uh, sitting backwards, facing the, the wall, right? Yeah. And I had a pillow to like support my head. And that was so amazing. The best position. I could have given birth on the toilet, honestly. Would great. have been a water birth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did you not want to go in water or did you not allowed to go in water? 
I didn't think that option was available to me at that time because of COVID, uh, you know, restrictions and things like that. Or I don't know. They, I asked to have a water birth. Oh, no, they don't do water birth, but you could get in the shower at least or. Yeah, but you know what was interesting? Um, it went by so fast. I didn't have time to think. The labor in total lasted about six hours from the moment they put in the Foley balloon until she came out. I like him out. Wow. But for me, it felt like an hour. It was so fast that I didn't even think to go to the shower, to be honest. I was just Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That you had no desire. Yeah. I don't know. My head was just like, okay, I was just in the zone and going through the contractions. And um, when you say go, it went by like an hour, does that indicate that you were a little bit out of your body? Like you were just rolling with the waves or? Yeah, I was just going with the waves and, you know, really into it and moaning through the contractions and first smile and then they got stronger and stronger and at the end i was i won't lie it was intense i was screaming in the pillow <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know nothing that i couldn't handle and i remember thinking at no point i ever thought to get an epidural because it was totally manageable and every time they would come and check they're like oh yeah she's progressing progressing it was progressing pretty fast and then when I was at 10 centimeters, I asked myself, am I going to do it that way next time? I, I questioned <laughs> it. Yeah, what are you thinking about the next time? Totally. I'll do it the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I don't need the epidural, but am I going to go to such an intense you know, experience? But it was so amazing. It was so incredible. The loud um, noises that you made at the end. Is that because of pain or intensity, or is that just a primal noise that came out of you? So primal. I couldn't control it. And the thing is, also, I was kind of, you know, screaming by the end when I was, like, super close to give birth. But it was because my body was pushing her out of me so intensely, I couldn't control it. She wanted to come out. My body was pushing her out. And the thing is, that night, the doctor had five births at the same time. Wow. At the hospital. So she was That's juggling. probably why your nurse was MIA. That's probably too much. No, she wasn't. No. no. She was literally almost rolling her eyes. It was not good. Oh. But yeah, but the, the rest of the nurses and the experience was amazing. I really, it was great. But And the other possibility is just, you know, because <laughs> you're so mean and hard to work with, she probably just was hiding. I don't know. Yeah, she thought I, was, <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, even Jennifer Buenamassa thought like, what is up with that nurse? That's I've never seen that before. You know, it was very strange. But I didn't know better because I had never given birth. I didn't know how they're supposed to be there for you. But she was not present. Anyway, but... Um, Quick, um, video of your birth? I did. Oh, okay. Well, I'll find out later if you went back and watched it. All right, let's move forward. So you're sitting on the toilet. You're having a great time facing the wall. <laughs> Yes. Uh, the back of it, and it's a comfortable position for you. Does at any point the intensity move from the back to the front or all the way through as you're no. feeling the contractions yeah. in your back? Pretty much the back, yeah. Do you know if the baby was posterior, if the baby's hard no, part of the... No, she was in good position. She, she was, was in good, good position. position. So you... I didn't have back labor, but the contractions, I felt them in the back. Well, yeah, that sounds like back labor, except maybe not so intense because you seem to not have pain nerve endings. I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought the toilet was the best because you can do number one, number two. And I felt her drop, like really dropping as soon as I went on the toilet. I didn't want to get out. The doctor was like, hey, can you come back on the bed? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm staying here. He's like, me too on the bed to give birth. And then 
I went back on the bed and he checked me. He's like, yep, she's ready, 10 centimeters. And he left and I was like, oh my God. And I think some other woman had needed help, you know? And he probably thought, oh, she can hold for a little bit. And then I just screamed, where the hell is doctor? As <laughs> Dr. Brock, I yelled in the hospital and he came back running like, and then the room full of people in 30 seconds, everyone was ready. And I guess, you know, it's not the first or the last time he gets yelled at by a, you know, oh, <laughs> by, by a laboring, <laughs> delivering woman. I know. Yeah. And then in my memory, I pushed her once for her to come out. But then wow. I asked Jennifer, because I was so ready. My body was just like, she needs out, you know? And then I asked Jennifer, how many times did I push? Because my memory is maybe not what actually happens. Because you're so, at that point, I almost had an out-of-body experience. And she, sh she said, you had three strong contractions. The first two, you were yelling. You're just yelling. And I was like, okay. And they're like, stop yelling. Now you keep that energy and push. And then that's what I did. Because the first two times, I didn't really push. I was just overwhelmed by the, you know sensations of the pressure her coming out and then the third time I actually focused more and pushed and then she came out and she came out screaming she was perfectly in good health okay so you're unmedicated yeah when you push her out what is the sensation for you who clearly has a high pain tolerance but of the baby coming through you i think that one of the things that patients of mine tell me all the time is i'm afraid of that moment when the baby comes through your body yeah, it's overwhelming, but it's beautiful at the same time. And surprisingly, it didn't hurt. It was immense pressure, but the contractions were more painful than her coming out. And I was very surprised by that. Did you tear? Yeah, with one push, for sure I tear. You know, it's like, bow, like that. <laughs> right, I'm just saying, but you didn't even feel yourself tearing. No, didn't feel a thing. Hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't, the thing is, when you say someone has a high pain tolerance, you would think they feel the pain, they can just handle it better. But the thing is, I didn't feel the pain. I mean, <laughs> no, the contraction I did, but you know, I didn't feel the pain of her coming out. I felt pressure, but no pain, really. Yeah, so uh, two things. Number one, that's why I said, not that you have a high pain tolerance, you have no nerve endings. Exactly. Uh, like, your body <laughs> doesn't even know stuff's going on. <laughs> but it's interesting, because sometimes people who are unmedicated, describe the surges as intensity. They don't always describe it as pain. They describe yeah. it as intensity. It's very intense on the body, but it's not always described as pain. And sometimes it's part pain, part pressure. Did you, any of it feel good to you, pleasurable? No, I wouldn't say pleasurable, but yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience of feeling her coming through me, you know? And it was overwhelming because they're like, we see her head, like she's coming, she's coming. And it was nervousness and excitement, but at no point fear or anything like that. When you say overwhelming, are you talking about physically overwhelming or emotionally overwhelming? Both, I would say. Physically, because there's this intense pressure down there. And you're like, oh my God, how is she going to come through and, you know, pass through there? And emotional because it's such a rush of everything, adrenaline and almost like an out-of-body experience, really. Like when Jennifer had to tell me, no, 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 you had three contractions. I don't remember the first two because I wasn't really in it. I wasn't really present. I was on another planet. And I was just ah, screaming because, you know, it was just intense. But then when they say, now push, 
I was like, okay, I was focused and I was looking straight ahead and like pushing and they were all like, push, 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 push. And boom, she came out. So just thinking about it and talking about it right now, it's, it's so beautiful, you know, and definitely I would do it again the same way. I mean, I can't, nobody can see, but I can see your smile as you talk about it. You know, it's just your smile. It's so nice to see. After your baby came out, did you have an opportunity for the baby to come right on you, chest time? Yes. Uh, I had a birth plan, you know, and I wanted really like an hour with her and just to bathe in that comfort and to feel close to her. So they cleaned her up a little bit. And then they put her on my chest and I was weeping. Like I've never weeped before. Like I was so emotional because it was such a beautiful moment meeting her, you know? And also because of my fertility story, I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to have kids. And for me, that was just, it would have been the biggest tragedy of my life, you know? And then just to see her coming and being real and see her face and she was the cutest and she was so alive and it was just the most beautiful thing. And to share that with my partner too, you know, it was, it was amazing. Oddly, uh, when I'm at a birth and uh, I'm there till the end and the baby comes out, I almost never don't have like tears in my eyes. Oh, and I've been to so many, sometimes like in your story where it's such an incredible triumph of the fertility journey that led to the pregnancy and then the birth even more so like you just can't hold back when you know the whole story when you've been on the ride with somebody for that long but i always do they're always like hey dr b come take a picture and i'm like oh, yeah. <laughs> i can imagine oh it must be the most beautiful thing to be able to witness so many births you know you're very lucky yeah i know it's a, a tremendous honor and i do feel very lucky that i'm able to do that and then people not only feel comfortable but comforted by um, the work that I do. So it's uh, unique and rare. And I, every day, you know, I go to my office, I'm, I see patients 12 hours a day. And then I go home and I have uh, dinner. And then after dinner, sometimes uh, a project like a podcast recording or something like that. And then hopefully more family time before bed and then do it all over again. So it's, it's kind of a rigorous schedule, but I love it. I love every part of it. And um, I feel very honored and lucky to be able to do it. And then I also work with like super nice people. I'll introduce you to some of them. All right. Let me take a quick break Mm -hmm. because oftentimes, you know, it seems like getting the baby out is the goal and then we did it and it's over. But in truth, that is sort of just the beginning. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are talking to Alize, and in our storyline, she has just delivered a baby, and it's a beautiful triumph. It always is, but with the whole journey, and you did it the way you wanted to. Um, you got induced, which wasn't your first choice, but turned out to have some benefits for you, and you labored fairly quickly for a first baby, and uh, delivered fairly quickly, almost no pushing, really. So... Um, Congratulations to you on that. And also very little pain, which is also nice. My question is after the baby's out and then, you know, a lot of people are surprised by what happens after that, all the uh, delivering of the placenta and you tore. So I assume you got some stitches. What was all that like for you? So I felt very grateful that I was surrounded by a great team, you know, Dr. Brock, first of all, that really respected my wishes for the birth. I didn't want the pitocin. He respected the fact that I wanted to do the faulty balloon. And then 
you know, even during the birth, the whole time he was really honoring what I had put on my birth plan. And even at the end, my support person, Jennifer, and my partner both had their phone up to like film I like coming out. And the nurse was like, no, 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 you can't film. But he's like, don't worry, they can film. You know, he was so easygoing. He was so great. And for that, I'm really grateful. And having Jennifer on our side, oh my God, like I recommend her to anyone. Like she was just incredible. She had such a strong presence. She held the room and the space for us to feel protected and cared for. And she was so motherly at the same time and, and strong. And, you know, my partner, Jorge, was not really into the midwifery and everything. And after that, he's like, hands down, we'll have her again for the next. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was so amazed by her. So I'm so grateful for that. That's yeah. nice. I think that's important to the extent that you're able to surround yourself with people who you feel comforted by and on the same page with makes a very big difference. And For it, sure. it doesn't always have to be hired people either. You know, doula is a very loose term. I see people bring a parent or a sister or a sibling or a friend. And, you know, that can really work too. But surrounding yourself, if you look at all the old pictures of women giving birth, they were surrounded by a bunch of other women. So. And, and the thing is, I'd, I had never met Jennifer before the birth. We had just talked over the phone. You know, it was just so last minute because my midwife I, had COVID. I, yeah, my first midwife had COVID. And I, I'm so lucky that we had her and we were able to have her at the hospital. It was just the last day before the cutoff for the second support person. And it was just a beautiful experience. And and after delivering the placenta, the nurse asked you, should we put Pitocin? And I said, no. I'm like, I didn't get Pitocin before. Why would I get Pitocin now? To deliver the <laughs> just let it come naturally, you know? I barely felt anything. It was just like, whoa, what's going on here? And I, you know, just passed through me and not very painful, just discomfort, maybe one or two out of 10, two, one, I don't know. But, you know. Can I ask you this question? Has there been an experience in your life that was more than five out of 10? Oh, yeah. No, the birth was a 10. Oh, the <laughs> birth itself was a 10. Yeah, the birth itself was a 10. I'm not saying I didn't feel a thing. The contractions were very intense. But okay. her coming out, it wasn't painful. You know, it was pressure. That was definitely the most intense pain, you know, that I felt. But it was manageable. Nothing that I couldn't handle personally. And it's also the way we look at birth. I think in Europe... In, I don't know, because often when I talk about women, sometimes in America, I don't know, maybe some people might feel offended that I say that, but there's a lot of fear around it. And I think it's it shouldn't be something that's being feared, birthing, as in Europe, it's not viewed the same way, you know? I just noticed that in patients coming through the office, that uh, I, I feel like I'm generalizing, but Americans tend to just have a lot of fear about lots of things but especially medical things and family things so yeah europeans and canadians again generalizing tend to come in and just be much more chill about things yeah i, I don't want to generalize but that's what i've experienced so far because a lot of the women i was talking to in general or podcasts or books is like oh fear 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 and i'm like it's not something that's supposed to be fear-based i do understand that it might be fearful for some women and i absolutely understand that but the dialogue around it in Europe is not fear-based. I think it's just the way it's viewed, you know? More natural. And even if, yeah, just more natural and not something that you should fear. Of course, there's so many questions about it. And before being pregnant, 
I had no idea. I've learned so much through your podcast and I still, I'm still listening to it, even though I give birth and I went through it. And it's still like, I love listening to your podcast. And oh, thank you. I sing your jingle every time, you know. <laughs> Wait till you hear my episode with Alize. You're going to love it. She's so tough. <laughs> What is it? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got, I got a, a lot of questions for you. <laughs> Damn it. I should know the lyrics by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, also coming from a big family, my mom always had unmedicated births and my sister too. And it's just, you know. Oh, that's a lot of exposure that you had uh, through your own family. So, you know, perhaps that helped contribute to the fact that it wasn't so foreign to you. Yes, I would say so, because we're a family with eight kids and my mother always had unmedicated births and made it look like it was so easy. I mean, it wasn't that easy as she was describing it to me personally, but for sure I had a more positive outlook on it. So, of course, the fact that I'm from a family with eight children, for me, I always had a positive outlook on births and my mother always had unmedicated births. My sister She's pregnant with her third kid now, and she had two unmedicated births, and she gave birth, her second kid, within three hours, like super fast and very smooth deliveries. And because of that, I wasn't fearful of it. I didn't go into it fearful. And as I was saying, the only thing I was fearful about is not being able to be in control of decision-making in the hospital. But I have to say, it was such a great experience at Cedars. I'm so happy. And on one hand, it's intimidating to go into a hospital because everything is so sterile and white and big. But on the other hand, you feel so safe because, you know, what? if anything happens, you're well taken care of. So, you know. That's well said, the pros and cons of yeah. being in the hospital. For you, was feeding easy or a challenge or somewhere in between? Oof. That oh. pain was more intense than contractions, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, the pain of breastfeeding? Yeah. Do you know why? So the first two days, I was two days, two nights at the hospital. And honestly, I think she wasn't latching properly. And even though you take the classes and everything, unless someone really shows you how to, mm-hmm. it's hard, I think, at the beginning. And within two days, my nipples were ruined. I had blisters and it was like super painful. The lactation consultant came in and after two days and I was like, listen, I'm in such pain. And she was like, oh, okay. And she's like, show me how you're latching the baby. And when I showed up, I, I teared up. I had tears in my eyes crying. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're in pain. And she showed me how to do it properly. And she gave me a nipple shield for a week to wear on top of it. Because I couldn't have not kept breastfeeding if it wasn't for the nipple shield mm-hmm. until my nipple healed. And then after a week, it was fine. And since then, it's been a breeze. But the first week, woof. I guess we proved that you can experience pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was painful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once you learn how to latch better, everything went well. Yeah, it was fine. And I have to say, I'm so lucky. Look at her. She's been on the podcast with us for, I don't know, almost an hour. She sleeps through everything. She's the easiest baby. She's like me. Yeah, you, you sleep well, too. <laughs> I can sleep through anything. <laughs> me, too. Same. Yeah. Look at I us. I put my head on the pillow. I come to five by three. I'm, I'm knocked out. So. I just, you know, if I can't fall asleep, I just go in the bathroom and sit on the toilet backwards with my head on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how it feels too? <laughs> yeah, that way if you have a number one or a number two, it's so convenient. It's... Yeah, you know, I don't have filters, so yeah. Great, 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 <laughs> great advice I got here on the podcast. Where did the baby's name come from? Good question. So we didn't agree until the last moment we left the hospital about her name. 
I really liked Isla, and it means the halo of light around the moon. Oh. And Jorge wasn't very convinced first. And I'm like, please, come on. I pushed her out. I carried her for nine months. Give, <laughs> give me credit for that, please. And then the day she was born was the day of the alignment of the planet that happens every couple hundred years, the 21st of December. And she was born the 1221 at 1121. Very Ooh. unique numbers. 2020 to add. Wow. And before her birth, I kept seeing the number one and two everywhere for a couple months, you know. I have that sometimes, like numerology and stuff. Every time I look at the time, it's 11-11, 21-21. It's like haunting me. So that was her number, the number I kept seeing everywhere. And we were looking at the inside court of the hospital. And we saw the David star, right? And Jorge's father was Jewish. And in memory of him, because he passed away over a decade ago, and then he thought it was a symbol of his father looking after us, you know, looking oh, over wow. us. And because of the Jewish origin, and he's like, oh, my God, I want to call her a star. Like, you know, the David star and the day of the enamel of the planet, like something celestial. And so we have the moon and the star. So her name is Isla Star. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And I think we didn't find her name before because we were not meant to find it before, you know. That's so sweet. Yeah. All right. My last question is if you would do anything different in a subsequent pregnancy or birth. No, I think, I mean, yes, I have to say, so I put on 55 pounds and I don't really care. You know, it's not like I was overeating or I was just eating crap. No, I was just starving. I was just mm. so hungry. I just couldn't control it. But I would say that I, at the next pregnancy, because it will happen, uh, I would just work out more because I didn't work out at all. I was active. I would do things, but I didn't work out at all. And I would probably eat healthier food choices. I would eat really good food, but just enormous amount of carbs and, mm. and sugar uh, cakes and all that stuff because I love eating, but also because I was starving. And the moment I gave birth, that hunger went away. Like, really? So wow. quick. It was so weird. Yeah. And I, I was eating every two hours, like a lot. By 1 p.m., I had three huge meals. I had breakfast, nine, the second breakfast around 11, I had <laughs> lunch at one. I would just eat constantly. I was starving. And then she came out and then I lost most of the weight. I still have like 15 pounds to lose, but I'm not trying to lose it. It just comes up naturally, you know, but 40 pounds in two months is not bad, I would say. So yeah, I wish I could. But that I would do differently because I was hungry so much. I would just eat a little healthier, more greens and more vegetables and fruits and just work out more, be more active. Yeah. How has it been getting back into your working out now? You know, I haven't paid attention. It was a lot of water weight, I guess. And it just naturally is coming off. And I guess if I have a couple of stubborn pounds left, I'll just work out and be more careful with what I eat. But it's been pretty smooth. And she's been incredible. She's been doing her nights since she was six weeks. So hallelujah. <laughs> wow. That's very nice. Yeah. But, well, I mean, it sounds like motherhood's going well for you. Yeah, and, and um, the first week, we barely slept. I was sleeping two hours a night, I think. And also because they advise you to wake up and feed the baby every two hours, which I did for a week. But then I just stopped it because I felt that it was counterproductive. And my family in Europe was saying, why would you wake up your baby every two hours? <laughs> I know that's kind of how it's done here. But they thought it was nonsense. And I stopped after that. And since then, she's been sleeping really well, you know. It's different was, than if you have a baby, like a preemie baby or something like that. But if she's 
in good health or my sister's kids have been sleeping 12 hours a night from the moment they came back from the hospital. I would just say there's no one size fits all when it comes to parenting. Exactly. So, yeah. And we just um, did what felt right for us. Any okay. final thoughts? Yes. So having gone through that with the pregnancy, having to change my OB at 36 weeks and then finding Jennifer the very last minute the week before giving birth and everything, I would say don't change the goal, but just change the plan, you know? Ooh. And that's what we did. And I thank you so much for bringing me on this podcast. And for me, I was very eager to share my experience with the AMH level, you know, this issue with that infertility, because before having it, I was not aware of what it was. The AMH level is so easy to check. It's just a blood test. And when I found out about it, I was actually angry that no one really tells you about it before, you know, unless you have the issue, doctors don't check that. And I wondered why. And all my girlfriends that I talked to about, and I say, hey, please check that hormone level. One or two of my girlfriends found out through me that they had the same issue. And if it wasn't for that, they would have gone through the 30s without wondering. And they both went to freeze their eggs as well. And I just think that is something that women must know a bit earlier, you know, mm-hmm. like by your late 20s, I think that we should all be checking that hormone level and, and if needed to, to freeze eggs and Hopefully, I don't need to use the eggs that are in Spain, but they're there if needed. Yeah. You know, for, I guess, more detail on that, somebody who hasn't done so should listen to your before birth episode where we talk more in detail about that. Yeah. You know, you're kind of a magical energy. He's just really confident and strong and sort of like Babe Ruth where he'd point and say, that's where I'm going to hit this baseball and just do it. Well, that's very kind of you. Yeah, it's inspiring. I mean, every single one of you guys inspires me, but some more than others. And uh, I find you to be really inspirational. So thanks for joining my life and also my podcast. I really appreciate you. You have plans to get back into work? Yes. Actually, we had our first photo shoot when she was six weeks. Oh, together. together? Mom and daughter. Yeah. Oh. Tomorrow is actually my first full day at work. So I'm a little anxious to leave her home with her dad and grandma, but she'll be fine. Aww. I have a block of milk frozen for her ready. And, you know, I'm going to miss her a lot for 12 hours. But, you know, I'm happy. Work is also an important part of my life. So you're going to balance it. You're going to juggle it. You're going to look for that balance at the end of the rainbow. Where can we find you online? On Instagram. Alize, A-L-I-Z-E-E underscore Gaillard, G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D. And on my website is www.alize-gaillard.com. Who could miss that? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for being here and at home. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Maybe you have a suggestion on a topic you'd like to hear. Believe it or not, we read through all of those suggestions and many of them become episodes of our podcast. So, You can write to us at info at informedpregnancy.com.